The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Martin Luther King, Jr. Equality Vodka Ladies and gentlemen, settle into your seats. Hello and welcome to The Journey, your radio show, hosted by Neville D'Angelo, author of A Soundbite Life and Flight of the Fused Monkeys, a PRG Emerging Technologies Forum keynote speaker and founder of Rio Sports. I am Joseph Ellison. Enjoy! A vodka with an agenda. Equality for all. I have with me two men you'd want to have on your sides. Founders and co-owners Doug Jacobson and Bert Gallagher Jr. Welcome. Yes, I am Neville and you are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you, Ari. Now, it would take an enormous capacity for denial for any person to suggest that within our societies, even within our enclosed communities, they are not a broad jumble of intractable problems that require a grand amount of chutzpah to solve, a fair amount of honest intelligence, a good heart, persistence, moral fortitude, a fresh, new, non-cynical way of thinking. This, in part, is why I am so fascinated by my award-winning guests today. Not only by who they are and what they are doing, particularly by why they have embarked on this equality cause and by the way they are going about it. I anticipate I'm going to learn a few things today. Equality Vodka Doug and Bert, I usually like our audience to first discover who my guests are before they see what they brought to the table. I'm going to switch that around today. I want them to see what you have on the table, and then discover who you are, for I am delighted that you too, as innovators, as businessmen, as artists, as allies, have a way of giving and creating opportunity that ought to challenge in a positive way organizations and individuals everywhere. I'd like to call this creativity with a conscience. You two have devised the quality solution that have a number of significant benefits, at the top of which are A. Premium pleasure and B. Supreme justice. That said, you two brought a spotlight. Let's begin there. Doug? When you look at homeless youth that are being taken advantage of on the street, that's not a pretty picture. And it's a hard one to keep people looking at because it's, it's easier to look away. And so we want to have the funds to put a spotlight on things like that that, that makes it impossible to look away. It's easy to focus and look at things that are pretty that involve love, that, you know, and in, in the homeless youth that, that put out on the street, uh, we just were at the LGBT Center in Los Angeles, and they do a massive amount of work with the kids. And the 
the, the pressure that a parent feels to take someone as young as 12 mm-hmm. and put them at the mercy of whoever's on the street when they push them out of their house, that is such an ugly thing mm-hmm. that it's easier for people to look away from something that's ugly mm-hmm. than to look at something as beautiful as love between two people. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, the, the love that comes out of the LGBT Center for these kids mm-hmm. that takes care of them that needs to be seen. But we also need to take a look at what created the situation that put those kids on the street. And that's the spotlight we want on both. The, the people that are trying to protect them and make sure they have a quality of life. And a spotlight on the person that created that situation. You shouldn't be able to do that and then stand in the dark and be anonymous. And um, does it sound much like a vodka program? <laughs> uh, and it's not. It's, it's our personal agenda mm-hmm. uh, that rolls over into the vodka. We will be right back with Doug and Bert. You are on the journey. Our musical guest is Kualeo. Ever since, ever since I can remember, I love the dark when it floods the sky. When it rains all around me, it's astounding the warm sunset provides. And I hate it still, thin line between what I feel. Break the scissors, my palms sweating, my hands shaking, let's cut a deal. If I cut the string, what lies between? Will it come together? Will it intervene? Will I be normal? My eyes sober, will it even care? Will it do a thing? Feeling three years old, asking all these questions. Really 18, so I need this lesson. Feeling 45, slipping in depression. Need a wet floor sign, I need a blessing, man. Give me a lifetime to call me a lifetime and leave them a message. Whisper what's keeping me conscious and then I collapse Start from the very beginning until I am breathless Then I just sing to him like The blinding light from a text from the thing I see I'm back with Doug and Bert Doug and Bert, talk to us about your giving back to the community It is a uniquely different approach, I think From the beginning, uh, just from a personal ethic we both believe in giving back. So we've wrapped whatever we've done, we've tried to find a way to support the community in one way or another. But before we learn how you're doing this that makes it so uniquely different, explain to me what is it in you that makes you want to give back? What's that, Bert? I, I, th- I think it may vary for a little bit in, for each of us, and it's... Uh, when I was growing up and went to school, part of our education was we had to do community service on some way, shape, or form to give back. Mm-hmm. So it was something that that had always been part of. Mm-hmm. And and the the philosophy of to whom much is given, much is expected is very much inherent in in what I do, and I think was what we do as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was important. It almost seems like, well, why wouldn't you, is more of the attitude that we take. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because giving back can vary. It's not just money. Right. It can be time. It can be effort. It can be a kind word to someone at the right time. There's so many different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can impact and make a change, that's really exciting. The, the giving back, um, you get so much back from it. It seems to get credit for giving uh, almost seems wrong Mm. because what comes back to you in the people you meet, the great things that come into your life, the um, just the the revelations of other people's thoughts and what's going on is always greater than you put out. Mm -hmm. Whether it's and and for us very often. Although what we're involved in now 
has a monetary contribution. Um, we've, we've always tried to make sure we were physically involved in whatever we were giving to. And um, the return on that is so great that any sort of people would say, oh, you know, we really thank you for coming in and for doing it. It's like, I'm getting way more than you are from this. Uh, and, and that has, once you realize that, how do you not give? How do you not be involved in that process? Because the process, well, life's about process. Yeah. And um, once you get a grip on the fact we all end up in the same place, then working, working that process, getting there is very important. Yeah. And enjoying that process, getting there is so important. And when the process of giving gives back so strongly, mm. it's just a no-brainer at that point. It's just the easiest thing in the world to do. Mm. Um, and, and it really is kind of how we, we work. Equality Vodka. Premium pleasure, supreme justice. A vodka with a simple agenda, equality for all. It is a pretty bottle sparkling on this mahogany table. Aqua blue. I like the inspiring challenge embossed on the back of it. Let me read to you this bit. Quote, We believe in making a difference. We believe in not sitting back. We are determined to make a change, and we invite you to join us. End of quote. I'm back with Doug and Bert to inquire how their giving is different and how it will make a significant change in individual lives and communities. I had a brief stint in the music business, and the the music companies, big ones back in the 70s, always promised you a huge percentage of the net profit, mm -hmm. not telling you that the accountants were going to remove the net profit <laughs> before it got to you. So having seen that, right. I knew that I didn't want our give associated with net profit. I wanted the give from Equality Vodka to be built into the cost. And whether or not we make a profit has no impact on the financial give that's going into the bank because it gets banked as part of the cost of producing. Now why did you do, do that? Now you could have taken the opportunity not to, to mess with the profits like the music people would, would, have, would have done. But you, have to make, but you have to make a profit. Ah. And right. when you launch a new business, yes. very often you're years into it before, before you're day turning day. a profit. So and we you, wanted the give to go from day one. Now why? why? What in your heart made you want to do that? Is it because you're... It, ma it makes us authentic. Nobody can... I'll stand and look anybody in the eye and, and, and back up what we do... Uh, a hundred percent because it's done from the beginning. There's no backing into it, no, you know, that it's, when, when the federal government taxes alcohol, which they do judiciously. <laughs> and repeatedly. And repeatedly. So when it leaves the distillery and it's purchased by a distributor in whatever state it goes to, it's taxed. So there's a direct accounting for everything that leaves the distillery. Mm -hmm. So the day it leaves the distillery and it's purchased by the distributor, that check goes into the bank because it's part of the cost mm -hmm. and not part of the profit. The other part of that to me is if someone's going to take a chance on you and the chance on us this time is buying our product mm -hmm. to support you, we should support you. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be that it would be nice one day to support you. It's like, no, you bought this you took this, this is our give back to you. Mm -hmm. So it just didn't seem right from a business standpoint to say someday. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, 
we've seen it, and I'm sure you've seen it, big companies that someday never arrive. <laughs> it's easy to keep right. saying someday. Mm -hmm. um, so that was important to us. It's, it's kind of that authenticity of, of being able to do what you say you're going to do. Yeah, 2014 Landmark Dinner, we walked on stage and announced the launch of Equality Vodka. Mm -hmm. And our association with Lambda Legal uh, for two years from, from that date, we will always have some affiliation the, the plan today is, anyway, mm -hmm. to have some affiliation with Lambda Legal. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of two years, we hope to be generating enough income that we'll put a board together, and then those funds will be moved out into the community in other directions mm -hmm. that support LGBT equality, uh, whether it's homeless LGBT youth, mm -hmm. uh, you know, more uh, HIV education, wh wherever it needs to be the most is where we want it to go. Equality Vodka, a vodka with a simple agenda, equality for all. Now I'm slightly handicapped in this process, however I'm more than making up for it. You see, I am a teetotaler. But there are some adults here with sparkling eyes, ready to experience the pleasure. Supreme Justice. Lambda Legal is a non-profit group instrumental in bringing equality issues before the Supreme Court. Whether that it's for discrimination in employment or military housing or equal marriage rights or things of that nature. Another statement of belief by these two businessmen is this. We believe that the promise of America, equality and justice, is a promise that should extend to all. End of quote. Equality Vodka so, who are Doug Jacobson and Bert Gallagher Jr., and how did they become founders and producers of quality vodka to men devoted to such a noble cause? Well, if you are a creative, an entrepreneur, or a budding business person, I think their journey will interest you. That's what I'll explore when we return. You are on the journey, and it's time for our question of the week. Our question for the week is this. In the midst of so much uncertainty, what steps are you taking currently to have a satisfied life? What steps are you taking currently to have a satisfied life? Your thoughts and questions are welcomed. You can always tweet me at Nev D'Angelo. That's at N-E-V-D-E-A-N-G-E-L-O-U. Or email The Journey. It's thejourney at riosports.com. That's The Journey, one word, at R-Y-O-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. So tweet me, Nev D'Angelo, or email thejourney at riosports.com at any time you wish. Your thoughts and questions are welcome. If you haven't yet, you'll probably want to get a copy of my latest book. It's called Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time. And it is available in all formats, digital, audio, or print. You can get it from Amazon, Audible, or iTunes. It is called Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time. On Amazon, Audible, iTunes. So, Bert and Doug, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sure. Um, I guess we should kind of start at the beginning as to how we met, because that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Doug and I have been best friends for probably 15 years now. Mm -hmm. Started out as uh, a working relationship, ended up kind of working. I was at an ad agency mm -hmm. and we had some of the largest uh, clients in the city in San Antonio and little by little it started diminishing. It went from two floors to one floor to half a floor and every Friday you would see people walking out with boxes. So you just kind of wondered when it was your time. And, and why was it? Why was it? We had had uh, a name change and just kind of, I think it, it freaked people out at the time. Mm -hmm. So we had people transitioning and leaving and moving and it was uh, an interesting time and it was, God, I guess I was back in my late 20s or early 30s and thought it was the end of the world, only to find out it wasn't, uh, which is good. Uh, from there, I went and I started selling cars because I did not know what I was going to do and just got, kind of seemed like something I would enjoy doing. And then while I was there, I had met Doug and how that started was I had put together um, a plan to... I don't sit well, so sitting on a random Monday or Tuesday mm. with 15 other people staring out of a window hoping someone would come in just did not suit me. Mm. So I put together an idea to take cars out and show them to people, qualified people, whether it's attorneys or doctors or professionals, mm. in, in an effort to garner uh, additional sales. Mm. And when I presented it to management, they shot me down and I had the proposal on my desk. And at the time, Doug had worked there, kind of started around the same time, but didn't really know each other other than politely. And he walked by one day and asked, what is that? And I said, well, it's a proposal. He's like, can I read it? Mm -hmm. And that's what started the communication with us and kind of the, the start of becoming friends. So you were into cars at that physical point? We, we were. Um, it was a living. Um, I had been the GM at um, the Land Rover store. Uh, I had... I mean, I, I got to stop way back to kind of make this connection. Uh, I've got an art and theater background. Um, I had an opportunity to learn how to sell cars as a way to support my art habit, kind of. Uh, it, it gave me a, I could work, a, a friend let me work part time so that I had time to paint uh, and do design work and still live at, in a comfortable way, not be the starving artist that wasn't, it, that's way more romantic than it is in reality. So my, there had been some, uh, I, I came back to San Antonio to be with my family from California. And uh, I couldn't um, negotiate the art world in San Antonio effectively. So I went back to what I knew how to do and that was selling cars mm -hmm. and I kind of skyrocketed through the gun organization end up as the GM mm -hmm. uh, the store I was working at got sold mm -hmm. and so uh, it went away mm -hmm. and so I went to Mercedes where Bert was uh, when I saw the program he had put together it was like this is brilliant you know as a GM I would have loved to have had somebody bring a a proposal like that to me so I took it back to the management there and just told them we were doing it they they were they you know I I walked in and it was I brought history with me mm -hmm. and they knew that I wasn't going to leave the facility and not produce mm -hmm. in, in doing it that way it was the advantage of being you know substantially older <laughs> than Bert just having history <laughs> and, and, I like that and uh, <laughs> Using that history to uh, to our advantage to be able to do that, in getting to know each other, uh, we started to freelance uh, advertising design and graphic design and that sort of thing until uh, we were literally working out of my garage. We called the garage Mahal. Uh, so we had a very slow computer. Uh, took forever to get things done. So pretty soon we were staying up all night and the day job was killing us. So <laughs> we quit the day job and uh, rented an office downtown about the size of a matchbook and went into business. And we had an office with a suite number and yeah. and an official address and that was exciting. Not, not, but, but you went into business doing the same thing, selling the car? No, no, no. It's graphics. So graphics? Free, oh, so you did transition yeah, we, to that. Yeah, we, we went back to what we both right, knew. Right, right, right. Uh, writing copy, uh, graphic design, photography, uh, all those things that were the 
core of our souls. Mm -hmm. uh, the cars were uh, an ability to live and function in society mm -hmm. in a comfortable way. Mm -hmm. uh, but who we were, uh, we were two creatives mm -hmm. that, uh, out of pure chance, mm -hmm. ran into each other and formed a bond that um, I, I kid that you know I've been uh, married enough times, <laughs> and uh, this is the longest relationship I've ever had. Is my uh, friendship and business partnership with Bert? Mm -hmm. um, couldn't imagine doing it with somebody else. It, mm -hmm. It's been uh, a truly uh, in, in beyond enjoyable journey mm -hmm. to uh, work with somebody that is so creative and brilliant and not egotistical and all the things that normally come with creative and brilliant mm. uh, normally comes with baggage you don't want to you know it's that uh, I tell a joke if somebody gets in your boat they should have a paddle and not a drill <laughs> and, and he came with a large paddle and left the drill at home and so let think, me defend some of the creators we, you know, we started that end of the journey right there. We we uh, we started a magazine. Mm -hmm. We covered events and personalities uh, and fashion mm -hmm. in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, and you know, it's funny when you look back on certain things, and I know I'm guilty of it. I'm sure other people are. Is having the appreciation for some of the risks you took mm -hmm. and how it worked out and where it took you. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, I mean, it was a big deal for both of us to say, all right, we're going to step out and we're planning for the next step to appear. And we, you know, took that leap of faith and, and started doing all the freelance. And then, like Doug said, it, it led to the magazine, which was exciting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's funny, you had said something when we first sat down, you were saying that you you like to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And I think both, it's interesting, both of our writing styles are very much that way. So if you ask me, am I a journalist? By no means am I a journalist. Um, I also thank God every day for spell check, although it doesn't always <laughs> tell you the proper use of the word. No, no. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, that was one of the things that was interesting with the magazine was we write the way I write the way I speak. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily write with the intention of 100% grammatically correct. So it was interesting that we took that route, but you quickly realize you can express your thoughts to copywriters and things like that, and they help assist in polishing and making sure that's correct. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a quick segue, I'll let Doug kind of get back. But we, we did launch from the creative part of it, mm -hmm. and part of that catalyst was we had these great ads, but we didn't really have anywhere to put them. So we created a way to showcase that mm -hmm. and a way to showcase what people in the city were doing. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it was interesting, and this is something that Doug showed me, was oftentimes when you would go to an event, they would, and the newspaper would cover it or someone would cover it, and you get the board members and that's it. Mm -hmm. Half the reason you go to those events is because the people that are there and the fun that's going on. Mm -hmm. And that was really the eye that Doug as the photographer brought to it, mm -hmm. was showcasing that it isn't just the four people, which are important, that made the event happen, mm -hmm. but that wouldn't happen if you didn't have the excitement and the joy and the fun mm -hmm. of everybody that was there. Mm -hmm. Every other publication took their photo. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel any need to repeat <laughs> what everybody else was doing. Right. Let's catch the people that are supporting this right. and making it happen. So we've wrapped whatever we've done, we've tried to find a way to support the community in one way or another. Uh, the the nonprofit events that were minor that didn't get the coverage that the big ones got, mm -hmm. we tried to make sure we covered them, mm -hmm. and it got a a, a bigger than average uh, play in the publication, mm -hmm. so that people were aware of more than just the United Way mm -hmm. or more great organization does great things. But there are a lot of really small organizations uh, that have sort of a grassroots and their, their commitment and their desire to make it happen is so inspiring mm -hmm. that it, it helped us by associating with them mm -hmm. to keep in touch with who we were mm -hmm. and why we do what we do. Now, now everything you've said so far 
appears to me is in the past tense. So yes. was there a transition coming? There, there, there was yeah. a transition. Yeah. Um, I think we, we launched the magazine in 2002. Mm -hmm. um, as Doug has said, you know, it was completely as a way for us to showcase our work and, and do some really fun things in the city. Um, we were doing fantastic all the way up to 2008, and we, we had a banner year set up, and then that was kind of when the economy went a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And we had, it was the first one of the things, just as a quick segue with, with, uh, with magazines, if you're a national publication that's available everywhere, it's easier to garner the big ads and things of that nature. When you're are localized, it's a little harder to get those because they want the bigger reach than, than the more focused. Mm -hmm. But given our niche and what we covered, we started getting some really great big time advertisers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, and I'll segue back because it, it picks back up in the story, but just to kind of get you, to, in 2008, then we had all those set up and the phone rang. It's like, we need to cancel our contract. We need to can, it was just like, Within two weeks, it was just dominoes of, of losing contracts. And we kind of looked at it and thought, okay, what do we do now? And we had seen the transition of print moving towards electronic media. Mm -hmm. um, it was nowhere where it is today. You know, Facebook wasn't there, Instagram wasn't there. Mm -hmm. But we had been capturing all of, a lot of email addresses and things of that nature, just knowing that it was going to move that way. But it kind of forced us to figure out okay, if we're not going to print on paper, mm -hmm. we can print digitally. And that's what we did for, I think, another four years, maybe? Three. Three and, years. And on that, we had put it online in a page-turning format mm -hmm. prior to everything going away. So when it did, it was just like, hello, folks, it's been nice in print. Now <laughs> we're totally <Yeah>. digital. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's green. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, and, and it turned out it was a much more profitable way to do it than in print. But when we were then in, in print, or was it more profitable? It was print? more profitable online. You're it right, was okay. simpler and right. less overhead, and I mean, it was just an a lot more environmentally print, a lot friendly. More environmentally yes. friendly. Yeah. But when we were in print, uh, we had had a major liquor brand, spirits brand, come to us, and tell us they loved our demographic. They had a new brand that they wanted to reach our readership. Mm -hmm. And they said, we'll buy your back cover mm -hmm. and give you all the vodka you can give away at parties. <laughs> and we let thought about that for about, I don't know, a nanosecond and said, <laughs> okay. It was kind of one of those, is this for real? No, come on, it's, it's, it's like when you get that test, it's like two plus two is, it's like, it can't be four, that's yeah. too obvious, you know, pick seven. Yeah, so we did it, and being the kind of nerds that we are, we researched everything on vodka we could, mm -hmm. uh, and decided that that was something that maybe we could do. In that same process, we had done a, a fashion shoot, like literally two weeks prior to having the vodka company come to us, mm -hmm. that was furs, and we had set this alabaster model up, skin model up with this Russian style fur hat. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking through <coughs> the uh, contact sheets and I found this photo. And so I mocked up a vodka ad for a fictitious vodka company with her photo on it. Mm -hmm. Just and as a creative it, exercise, look beautiful right, photo. Had, mm -hmm. Made it my screensaver on my computer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Literally with, within the month. We had a vodka company as as an, our our biggest advertiser ever. Starts to make you wonder about some of that stuff you put out there. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did that for them for I guess two years. About two years. Um, and then when the economy turned, it was like we we always wanted our own product. Mm -hmm. You know, you you create things for other people. Mm -hmm. And you go that, if I just had my own, where could we go with this? Mm -hmm. And so we did a small regional brand, um, understanding small mistakes are survivable mm -hmm. and large mistakes normally aren't. Mm -hmm. And so we really learned the industry with that. In doing that, 
Bert had been invited into a group that uh, here in Dallas that were associated with Lambda Legal. And so we started providing uh, vodka for the Lambda Legal mixers, um, for some of their bigger events, uh, events like the Red Party that helps Legacy House, um, some, uh, I'm trying to think of all the people. On, on your way there, for, for, for the audience that doesn't know what Lambda Legal is, tell, tell us. Lambda Legal is basically the legal arm of the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. They uh, employ lawyers that take on cases pro bono and push them as far as they need to push them, very often to the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. to get equality pushed forward mm -hmm. on a legal basis uh, within this country. They're the uh, oldest legal service of their type and the other thing that they do is kind of like Doug said they, they only take on the cases that they know can elicit change on a sweeping level so they kind of to use one of their phrases that we've heard them use out they're kind of the architects behind a lot of the uh, civil liberties and, and, and legislation that has come about mm -hmm. and one of those things that was interesting as Doug said you know we got involved in doing events and we didn't realize it at the time, and it was it was one of those moments that someone comes and tells you something. It's like, wow, that's really awesome. Kind of that giving back and coming back to you. Mm -hmm. They had said at the time they had really lost kind of some momentum in the market, mm -hmm. and by revitalizing the mixers and having um, cocktails, which is always a reason for someone to go somewhere, mm -hmm. that it really helped to reinvigorate the membership and get them involved. Mm -hmm. um, and that was such a cool thing because. We just thought it was a great way to give back. Didn't realize kind of the impact that it yeah. has down the line, mm -hmm. um, and that was really really neat. Uh, it it came about us, you know, like like Doug had said. I got involved with them. A friend of mine invited me to go hear about the organization, mm -hmm. and kind of having that whole philosophy of giving back. Came back said Doug, I think this is really cool. He was all over it, and you start attending the events, and you start to hear about injustices that you have no idea. Are, are still alive and well. For instance, in Texas, you hear about Texas is a right to work state. Mm -hmm. All right, if you don't know much about it, that sounds like a very positive thing, mm -hmm. only to discover it is a legal way to discriminate against employees for a myriad of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher and a shocker, that that is something that in today's time we're still dealing with. It just seems like, why? It was interesting to watch his growth in this area as a um, civil justice person, somebody that had been, I, you know, I go back to there again, being of a significant age to have watched the civil rights movement of the 60s and, and the sacrifice and things that happened there. And then seeing uh, because of my theater and arts background, I'm so immersed in the LGBT community that it was just the things that he discovered uh, had been rolling around in my life for years. Uh, the in injustice that, that became nuanced to him. Um, I lived in West Hollywood in Los Angeles in the 80s and watched uh, the HIV uh, epidemic just have massive impact on that community. And the, uh, the fear and the harsh way people were treated, uh, especially before there was a really good grip on exactly what was happening. Um, and at that time, uh, I told myself that Someday I would be able to institute some change there. So um, we got involved with Lambda Legal, mm -hmm. and by 2013, um, we had an ultra premium product mm -hmm. in development. We, we knew what the product was going to be, we were still working on how to do the packaging and all those things. And Lambda Legal gave Bert and I 
the Corporate Partners in Equality Award uh, for the Dallas region uh, in 2013 at the at the landmark dinner. And that was so exciting, and it was it was when I was like, oh man, I wish we had this other product, which at the time, as Doug said, we were still in development, and it just wasn't ready. But it would have been cool to say, in, in you know, we have this product. Well, but let, let me, I, I don't want to cut your story. No, no, no. But, but just, just, just uh, so there are two products here. There's two products. Okay, so what are you going to try to find? There was a small, there's our PhD program, as we call it. <laughs> right. But we realized we could only do so much with it. Right, right. You know, we were tapped out in how far we could push what we could do to help with that product. Mm -hmm. And that product is? That was Hudson Ferris. That right. was another, another vodka. Okay. Right. And so um, it was kind of just before the landmark dinner, just before we received the award, Bert walks into the office one day and he goes, I had an idea. And he's got a mocked up bottle mm -hmm. that says equality on it. And I realized that he's handing me a key that I've been looking for for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so it was, at that moment, mm -hmm. there was complete focus mm -hmm. and it's been unwavering since then that it's going to be one of the major drivers that funds LGBT equality from now on. Mm -hmm. um, we understand as we move forward with this, we have to make a profit. Mm -hmm. We have to reach a big community, a, a community much larger than the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at, say, just millennials in, in, the, in this country right now, mm -hmm. they are so much more accepting mm -hmm. than people of my generation. Mm -hmm. My generation, 2%, identified as LGBT. Mm -hmm. Millennials, it's over seven. Mm -hmm. there, there's not more LGBT millennials percentage-wise than there were in the old man category, right. but they are so much more comfortable within their peers mm -hmm. to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, and that lets their peers be comfortable in purchasing a product mm -hmm. that helps support their community mm -hmm. and helps change things. Now you mentioned the percentage, 7% um, identify um, uh, as LGBT, and that number seems low to me. Is that the number of what identify ah. and the number of what is actuality are two different, two different things. The actuality within the community is going to be well over 10, right. uh, and a lot of people think it's significantly higher than that. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, real just a quick segue, that we've seen in, in talking to people and reading and researching is there's, there's such a lack or disinterest in identifying mm -hmm. as any one particular thing. Mm -hmm. People are much more comfortable with them as a person or you as a person. It's not having to label. So there's a lot more fluidity between that. And is that, isn't that a good thing? Do you well, it's a fantastic great, thing. Right. Fantastic yeah. thing. There, there are millennials that identify as Q that are straight because they, they think having been asked the question is obscene, that it, it doesn't matter and it shouldn't be asked, and so you figure it out. And I love that. And, and that's, what's, that's the changes that we want to see happen. You know, we work extremely hard to create a ultra premium product using the newest technology, um, researching what, I mean, any organic matter, any, any plant life mm -hmm. can be converted into vodka virtually. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether it's you know, bison yeah. grass or yeah. wood shavings. <laughs> right, right. No, it I mean, can, it can be, it mm -hmm. literally can be done. Mm -hmm. Different products mm -hmm. produce different types of vodka as far as how they interact with the palate, mm -hmm. uh, how smooth they are, mm -hmm. taste, viscosity, all those things change. Mm -hmm. And so, our research with our initial brand 
uh, in blind taste testing was that people wanted something ultra clean that didn't leave them feeling bad the next day, which you drink enough of anything, you're going to feel bad. I'm sorry, I can't fix that. It's just how but, hard the train hits you that you feel bad. Right. So, but in moderation, mm-hmm. a, a very refined product is much kinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you and, say very refined, what's the definition of refined? The, in this the, case? the definition of refined in that case is, it's interesting, when you hear, and, and as a consumer before mm-hmm. getting involved in this, mm-hmm. you often hear it's six, seven, eight, ten times distilled. Mm-hmm. And you always think that's best. Well, yes and no. It depends on the method in which you make it. Mm-hmm. And that's something we learn. For instance, if you use an old copper still, which is kind of the traditional way of distilling items, mm-hmm. the reason you want to distill it so many times is you're trying to get as clean as you can. But by clean, it's impurities. It's the conjugars that are in, in the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to the headaches or the bad feeling. It's or the bite when you drink it. The, when, when it, also, it, it bites. Yeah, yeah. it can. Not ours, <laughs> oh, but it can. Oh, yeah. I call it the squint factor. When people take a sip of a cheap, not well refined uh, vodka, there's a one eye kind of closes, and, and they're like, "Yeah, that voice goes away." Yeah, that that's what we didn't want. We wanted that extremely smooth, whether it was on the front of the palate or, or in the throat, to be uh, really, really good. And that that was important from a business standpoint, as you had mentioned when we were on the break. Was if we have a product that's not good, you get a sale one time. So it was incredibly important for us to have an ultra-premium product that was good. Mm-hmm. Right. People will make a purchase because of the cause once, mm-hmm. but when they buy it, mm-hmm. if it's not a good product, they're only going to do it mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. And product bottles sitting on a shelf getting dusty isn't mm-hmm. doing anybody any good. Right. And so we knew that when we launched this, it had to be... a you know, just a superior product mm-hmm. so that it did what we wanted it to do and that was to fund uh, equality. I was gonna say what's, what's great about equality vodka mm-hmm. is it allows you to be as involved with a cause mm-hmm. as you would. It can be as simple as the statement of, I purchased it and I set it in my bar. Mm-hmm. Or it can be, which I hope everybody does, I purchased it or I asked for it everywhere I go and I want my friends drinking because it's for a cause. Mm-hmm. And that's up to the that's up to the end user, the consumer. Mm-hmm. And that's what we liked about it is it completely lets you decide how you want to interact. Mm-hmm. Now if the consumer demands it then where do they find it? It shows it? up. That's how liquor works. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough. Yeah, it, it, well <laughs> retailers mm-hmm. Bars and restaurants mm-hmm. um, want to sell product, mm-hmm. so when they have consumers coming to them saying, "Do you have this product?" and they go, "No," and that consumer turns around and leaves, mm-hmm. uh, they realize they just lost money. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, they call the distributor, mm-hmm. and they, they get the product in so that they can uh, take care of their customer base. But what's your current penetration? Right now, it's uh, Dallas and Texas, mm-hmm. and we will look to expand to Austin and then start to look at other states. Mm-hmm. Real quick thing to back up a little bit, mm-hmm. I always say ask for it where you eat, where you drink, and where you shop. Mm-hmm. Ask, ask, ask. Mm-hmm. And it truly, even if you are in a state or a city that doesn't have it yet, mm-hmm. ask for it. If enough people start asking, they will pick up the phone and find us and say, who are you, how can I get it, because I have people wanting it. Mm-hmm. And that is where the change comes. That is where huge change can come. Mm-hmm. And it truly can happen. It all starts with one person mm-hmm. asking, telling someone else to ask. And that's exciting, is that, again, it allowing a person to completely interact and change. Yeah. We're not a mega corporation. Mm-hmm. This is not... You know, we don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to put much behind ad campaigns, mm-hmm. and it's totally going to grow uh, organically through word of mouth. Uh, that's the that's the beauty of it, and the and the and the hard part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because we are in an industry that has 
millions of dollars to put ad, behind ad campaigns. Mm. And, and so the only way to truly uh, compete mm -hmm. is when people stand up and, and, and make, a, make it a, a statement mm -hmm. that, that you have it and we demand it. Here's the exciting thing. Everybody tells you no, everybody says what a bad idea, everybody says it'll never work till it works. Mm -hmm. And I think anything you see out and about, even your iPhone, someone told Apple that was a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. And here we are and it's the best thing forever. It's the quote unquote overnight success that they didn't see the 10 years prior to. Mm -hmm. That being said, that fuels us because we truly do know that it can be as simple as a person. One right person could be a domino. You never know who you're going to touch. Mm. And to that respect, when we look at the technology shock we've we've experienced and the excitement of that in just the past couple of years, we have seen so much come from just Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's how we met uh, our publicist. It's how we have interacted with a gentleman that has a web series in California mm -hmm. that got so jazzed about the product mm -hmm. before he even tasted it. Okay, I'm gonna interrupt here. That gentleman is Michael Vaccaro, <laughs> and, and the series is Child of the 70s. Sorry, <laughs> had to. <laughs> but that's the excitement that we've seen this product incite in people, mm -hmm. and the fact that it truly can go viral from a cell phone in Texas, mm -hmm. touching someone in California who then reached out and said, how do we do something with you guys, mm -hmm. has been phenomenal and exciting. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing on Facebook. We've had people reach out, ask, actually in Canada, saying, I want this in Canada, how can I get it? It's like, go ask your store mm -hmm. to get it for you. Mm -hmm. It will, if you and your friends ask enough time, mm -hmm. we will get that phone call. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, what we know will happen. Mm -hmm. So again, ask, ask, ask. <laughs> the, the, truly the internet has made companies like ours possible. We've made numerous connections, especially in California, mm -hmm. with people that have just caught it through Instagram or Twitter and are now working that market, literally mm -hmm. trying to uh, trying to get the product out there just because they believe in what we're doing. And this is kind of segueing back to you from the business aspect, realizing you had to have a fantastic ultra premium product that was drinkable. So as Doug kind of alluded to earlier, we were nerds or are nerds, so we did research and we knew what, what we wanted to make it out of. We knew the process we wanted to utilize. We knew the type of water filtration we wanted to use. We knew all the, the key elements, so to speak, our recipe, what we, also knew was our limitations, not only from a knowledge but also from a financial of starting up a distillery is not an inexpensive process and it's not without its own perils and dangers. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to end up in a bath of hot liquid <laughs> flammable. On, on fire. Flammable <laughs> hot liquid in a burning building. Yeah, not a good idea. So we sought to say, okay, what we would have invested in that we can use to investigate the word out and we sought out a master distiller we could work with, um, who basically we, we took our process to, said this is how we want to do it, can you assist us? And they could. More importantly, what that allows us to do also is it's scalable, mm -hmm. and the quality control is incredibly high, so every bottle, every batch tastes the same. Mm -hmm. um, the kiss of death for um, a small business that we saw was if you get a great product one time, but the next two are bad, that could be so detrimental. Mm -hmm. So we sought someone that could grow with us as this grows because we know this is gonna grow. Mm -hmm. And we sought someone that could produce it at the level we need to produce each and every time. Mm -hmm. From picking the bottle mm -hmm. to the uh, shape and design of the bottle and how effective it was behind the bar, mm -hmm. how it was easy to pull out, it was easy to see. The words All the, the things from a marketing standpoint and use standpoint we knew would be effective for us going forward. The words on the back's an interesting story. We we tried writing them, okay? Trying to condense what basically came to about three handwritten pages into about four square inches on the back of a bottle wasn't going real well. We were, we were trying and trying and it was just, it was going south real fast. And so we reached out to people 
writers and, and uh, people we knew in the community for help. And uh, Stuart Rosenberg in, in Houston had suggested that we reach out to Matt Breen, who was the editor-in-chief of Out and Advocate magazines. Mm -hmm. And he knew that he did this sort of work from time to time, but was pretty particular on what he did. So he was in, he's now in New York, he was in LA then. And so I search around on the internet, I find a phone number for the magazine and I call it. Mm -hmm. And call it. And, and call, call it. <laughs> and call it. And I leave messages and leave messages and leave messages. And one day I've called, I'm pre waiting, prepared for the beat to leave the message, and he goes, Matt Breen here. And there was like, you gotta wait a minute, I wasn't ready to talk to you. <laughs> so after I gathered myself, uh, I explained what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, you know, I do these sort of things but I, I'm, I will never assist somebody to take advantage of my community. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna vet you, and once that's done, I'll call back and tell you whether or not this is gonna happen. It could take a while. Mm -hmm. It would, the, within hours, mm -hmm. he had called back, and, and he had talked to the Land Illegal and some other people in Dallas and went, you know, the, from the Land Illegal, the way it was explained to us, after four years, you can only hold your breath so long. <laughs> the real you was going to show up, right. and you were who you who you were, you know. Mm -hmm. So he goes. This was Wednesday. He goes. I've got a. I've got a few minutes Friday evening. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, we'll be there. And the next day, we got on a jet and flew to Los Angeles. A quick interjet, a commercial jet, not a private jet. <laughs> it sounded right. much better your way. <laughs> An economy class, back of this airplane seat uh, to LA. Right. And we met with Matt uh, and we've been allotted 15 minutes, two and a half hours, I guess, later. Uh, he said goodnight. And um, a couple of weeks after that, we had the words that are on the back of the bottle that we, you know, it was just staggering when you work with somebody at that level, mm -hmm. whether you're watching Michael Jordan play basketball mm -hmm. or you're having Matt Breen work, write copy for the back of your bottle for you. Mm -hmm. People at that level produce things you can't fathom until mm -hmm. you see it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing the, what came out of that. And so we're, we couldn't be any happier uh, it starts with a quote from Martin Luther King, and it goes on to explain who we are, what we do, uh, and who we help in a very succinct, beautiful way. Uh, couldn't ask for any more than that. And so to have all of this wrap and come together uh, to where the, the, the bottle is a really fresh kind of turquoise, aquamarine color that's very translucent, uh, and it, it, it really talks to the freshness of who we are and where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And then to have the beautiful words written by him on the back of the bottle and then have a great product in it. It all came together uh, in what seemed minutes that took a very long time <laughs> to come together. Um, things like uh, we're already to um, it's everything shipping to the distillery and then you get the call that the corks have gone backward. Mm. You know, those are the little things that from the outside you never see. Mm -hmm. And when you have a brilliant business partner, he gets on the phone and somebody in Italy gets in touch with somebody in Mexico who makes sure it goes through customs and the corks show up on time. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that uh, are never seen uh, but really, um, you know, make the journey interesting and exciting and the fact that it comes together, that the what happens mm -hmm. because the why makes it happen. Yep. I, like, I like it. I like, I like, I like. Do you have anything else that you want to add? The only thing I would add is something I said when we were off the air is in life, wherever your journey takes you, and I think we're, all, we're always evolving and changing whether we realize it or not. 
is sometimes things pick you, you don't pick them. Mm-hmm. Listen to those because that sometimes can be the most rewarding way to go. Love it. I love it. And buy it, ask for it, get it wherever you can. That's Demand all it. That's, that's all I've got. That's my last words. Is, uh, the way this happens and the way it moves forward, it's, it's in your hands. The Journey is available free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Rio Sports Radio, and several of your favorite internet platforms. Download, embed, and share via any of the social media you love. Equality Vodka, a vodka with a simple agenda. Equality for all. Thank you, Doug, Bert, and Quelleur for joining us on the journey. Don't forget to get your copy of Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time, by Neville D'Angelo. Riding Moby Dick, How They Beat the Odds Every Time. Available to you in your favorite format, digital, print, or audio, on Amazon Audible or iTunes. See you next week.